You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcast regular season a little over a week away at this point, but we've got a lot to recap. The Pelicans played two preseason games over the weekend, both victories over the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to talk about both of those games here on today's show, and then in the third segment, just do... Uh, kind of a roundup some more of preseason what's working what isn't so let's dive into it in today's edition of locked on pelicans on Friday, it was another victory for your New Orleans Pelicans. This time, they took on the Utah Jazz, the only home preseason game, which, by the way, was a sellout. You didn't have everyone show up, but it was a sellout nonetheless, which is pretty impressive for preseason. The crowd in there would have been one of the best ones all year long last season. So, again, the Zion hype is very, very real. The game went in the direction of New Orleans, 128-127, with a game-winning goaltend call, which gave the Pelicans the victory to to go 3-0 in preseason after this one. It was a fun game, and you had another really great Zion performance in this one. Getting the starting nod again, he's going to be doing that a lot. Finished with 26 points on the night, 9 of 12 shooting. He even hit a 3, you guys. People were bitching and complaining, saying he needs to add a 3. Well, there you go. That was the first bucket he scored in that one, I think, was a 3 to start the game. And then 7 of 9 from the free throw line. Chipped in 5 rebounds, 1 assist, just 1 turn turnover and again 26 points on the night this was going to be a really good test for Zion and what our expectations should be to start the year the Utah Jazz have a back-to-back defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert down low manning the paint a guy who managed to usually take Anthony Davis completely out of games Zion didn't affect him at all, was fearless, went at him multiple times, including scoring around him and over him. And if Zion can score over Rudy Gobert or around Rudy Gobert, this is a really good sign. The pace in this game was slower. The Jazz run basically the opposite type of system from your New Orleans Pelicans, where they want to grind it out, slow things down, and their defense kind of mimics that to force opponents to play the type of game that the Jazz want. They did. The pace was 104 in this one. It's down from like the 116 that New Orleans has been playing with. That's significantly slower than what we've seen so far in the preseason. And the Pelicans still managed to put up 128 points. You even saw some Zion post-up action, which is not how they really want to use him, but the fact that they couldn't get him in space moving downhill in the ways that we've seen so far, but he was still effective and able to score, that is a very big sign for his development and what he's going to be able to do. Now, some of those scores did come off offensive rebounds. He grabbed three in this one and was able to just kind of get right back up and flush it home. Good Dude is good down below the basket, doesn't just necessarily have to do it in motion. 
in space. For the comeback for your New Orleans Pelicans, they scored 39 in the fourth quarter, 39-27 to over the Jazz, sparked by Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who seriously is trying to make a claim for a significant rotation role this year. He was 7 of 9 from the field, 4 of 5 from deep, 4 of 4 from the line. All of these numbers are outstanding. 4 assists, 22 points on the night. He can score, he can dish the rock, he looks good running a half-court offense and just getting it in transition and making the right read, the right pass. It's tough to say he shouldn't be the backup point guard. Now, he's kind of in competition with Frank Jackson, and Frank looked good in this game. 6 of 10 from the field, 2 of 4 from deep, finished with 14 points on the night, along with 2 assists and 2 rebounds too. They're forming a backcourt where you could trot both of them out there, and it makes a lot of sense with the second unit, and maybe that's the direction that the Pelicans are going to go with this. But Nikhil Alexander-Walker looked very, very good. He has all the tools to be good defensively as well. So he's going to get keep getting an increased role in this one. Lonzo Ball in this game was pretty good too. 15 points on the night, 5 rebounds, just 2 assists. He only played uh, 24 minutes or so. 4 of 10 from the field, not great, but 2 of 5 from deep. That's not bad. More importantly though, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. You guys have heard me on this podcast say, I think a lot of his issues offensively are the free throw shot, not anything else. He's scared to go to the line and miss free throws so he doesn't attack, he doesn't drive. If he starts making those free throws and 5 of 5 is a tremendous performance for a dude who shoots like 40% from the free throw line in his career. This is only, only a really, 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 really good sign for Lonzo Ball and his development and what he can do offensively in this system. Brandon Ingram pretty good in this one. 18 points. He was 7 of 15 from the field. 0 for 4 from 3, but got to the line 5 times. Made 4 of them. 6 rebounds, 3 assists. He's still kind of getting into the flow of it, and if he can get into the flow of the offense, that's the big sign from him. There's a lot of times he's working way too hard to take a long contested 2, but when he's in rhythm with the offense, feeling comfortable. He does a lot of really good things. We should mention Javon Bess, who hit the game-winning goaltended shot, finished with two points on the night, and the game winner for your New Orleans Pelicans. So it was a fun one and a pretty good test, as I had said uh, in the preview on Friday's show. Jazz are tough defensively. They've got some really good players out there, and can New Orleans keep up with them? Scoring-wise, they did, but defense was bad in this one. The Utah Jazz shot 59% from the field. I think it was like 67% in the first half. And you're not going to win many games when your opponent's doing that. And the Pelicans really allowed him to do that. There weren't a ton of contested makes and looks there, even if a guy was close by. And the Pelicans just did not do a good job of just limiting what the Jazz wanted to do. Jazz had 56 points in the paint. You've got to limit that number just a little bit. And yeah. But, you know, defensively, they're coming together. They're learning a new scheme. They're learning a new offensive system uh, a little bit for some of these guys, too. So you're going to have mistakes made on both sides of the ball. Also worth noting, no Drew Holiday in this one had hurt like a quad, I think it was. And it's precautionary. You just don't need him to play in preseason. You know what he's going to give you. Each one more and Jaleel Okafor got a DMP coach's decision. Again, likely the same thing. You know what these guys are going to give you. This was also a game where they're, you know, 
know, still figuring out a couple of these guys, get him more minutes because in the final two preseason games against the Spurs and the Knicks, and we'll talk about the Spurs coming up, they wanted to run a more regular type of rotation. So it's maybe the last chance that some of these guys are going to get minutes in the preseason. But with this one, the Pelicans move to 3-0. and I'll tell you one quick story before we move on to the next game. David Locke, who's the head of the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, hosts Locked On Jazz. He's also the radio voice for the Utah Jazz. He texted me during the game uh, while he was in the middle of his call, which is telling you what he thought about this team. And he goes, Pels finish fifth. They finished fifth in the Western Conference. That exceeds all expectations we would have had this year. Not that high, but that's what someone else who covers the game very, very closely is saying about this team. So we'll touch on the San Antonio Spurs here in just a second, but today's edition of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. So the Pelicans were back in action Sunday against the San Antonio Spurs. And yep, you guessed it. It was also another second half comeback for the Pelicans as they win 123-114. This one got done in the third quarter rather than fourth. So there's some difference there. Um, And there's a trend to all of this. And I'm going to explain that in the next segment. There's a reason you're seeing these comebacks happen despite New Orleans being down. And we'll really kind of look at it. And it's a really good thing for New Orleans. Obviously, winning and coming back is a good thing. But you guys get what. I mean this time it was a 35 to 16 point third quarter that really sparked the New Orleans run let's look at this game here of course sorry and of course start with Zion Williamson 22 points on the night 8 of 11 shooting the dude just can score in bunches below the basket and not miss shots he is hyper efficient that is 72.7 percent from the field one of the lower shooting performances he's had so far in preseason did go 0 for 1 from 3 6 of from the line 10 rebounds uh two steals one assist 22 and 10 that is his first double double in the nba again just outstanding we know what he can do what he's going to give you offensively he is further ahead than i think any of us were expecting and the pelicans use him in such creative ways to get him going he really lit it up in the third quarter i think scored 11 of his 22 in that frame to really help get this team back into this one and ultimately get the win drew holiday was very important for new orleans in the first half going 7 of 11 16 points on the night new orleans did didn't shoot well in the first 24 minutes of this one, but Holiday kept them afloat, and so did Nicolo Melli off the bench. 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep for 14 points on the night. Also chipped in 9 rebounds. This is a very good signing for New Orleans, who's going to impact the game in a variety of ways. Brandon Ingram a little bit more quiet in this one. 10 points on the night, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a little bit over 21 minutes worth of action. You also had Lonzo Ball in the backcourt shoot a little bit better than he did in the game against the Utah Jets. 12 points on 3 of 9 shooting, 2 of 7 from deep, so he's letting it fly from there, but 4 of 6 from the free throw line. You know what? That is a huge improvement for him. He's been working on his shot, and as I say, the the three-point shot's important, the jumper's important, but the free throw shooting for him is the most 
important. That's been improved over these past two games. He's going to impact games significantly if he can get to the line and hit those shots. In the third quarter, it was Zion taking over alongside Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And if you look at the box score for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you're going to think he had a bad night. He was 4-15 from the field. That's 26.7%. 2 of 8 from deep. 3-3 from the line. But finished with 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 13 points. It's an inefficient night. But man, he was running the offense, creating for others, just doing the things you need to do. And when you can impact a game while having a poor shooting night like he did, and he finished with a plus minus of positive two, that is a very good sign for your style of play. Frank Jackson also key in the third quarter, 12 points on the night, five of nine from the field, one of three from deep. Overall, he had a big impact as well. Um, and his defense was pretty good in this one. So just another comeback, kind of what? New Orleans has been doing recently. Uh, no huge surprise with anything here. We saw more of a lineup that we'll kind of see. We know what the starting lineup's going to be, but you didn't see J.J. Redick in this game. He rested. Josh Hart didn't need to play, uh, and so they kind of went with a shorter rotation, but you're missing two guys that are going to be in there, but certainly Nikhil Alexander-Walker in his um, was it team high, second team high in minutes in this one uh, with 23 and like a quarter minutes action. Uh, is going to get into that, that rotation. Frank Jackson's into the rotation. So we kind of are starting to see what it's going to be, what these guys are going to be able to give you. Um, and again, they're able to just stay in games even when the defense isn't going well. And keeping with that theme, let's take a look at that coming up in just a moment. But before we get to that, don't forget about the Locked On NBA podcast. It's our preview week. We're going division by division with the local experts breaking down everything you want to know about the team. Started on Friday, continuing today, going all week long. I'll be there on Tuesday talking about the Pelicans. Make sure you give it a listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. So the Pelicans have now made it a habit of coming back in the second half. That's three straight games, the Bulls, the Jazz, the San Antonio Spurs. So is this kind of the makeup of the team there, uh, you know, something deep down in them, part of the culture, or is there something else to it? And it's twofold. So the first reason is why do they keep getting into these deficits in the first half going into the third or fourth quarters? And that's because, well, the defense isn't doing nearly as good as they'd like it to be. They're putting that new system in from Jeff Bizdelic, where a lot of these guys have to kind of figure out whether they're switching, whether they're going through the screen, how you're going through the screen or around the screen or above the screen and whatever it is that you're going to do to press the point of attack, where the help defense comes then if there is a switch how you get back look it's confusing even just saying it like this and this is a podcast and I'm not an NBA player that's trying to figure this out when there's a dude that maybe is 285 pounds setting a screen that you're about to run into it's a lot to try and process so it's gonna take some time for these guys to really understand what it is they need to do to go out and do said things so because of that you're seeing a lot of wide open guys misses guys just being able to drive to the rim uncontested different things like that. So it should get better and this shouldn't be kind of just how the team is built, how it is that they do it, that they're capable of withstanding these, you know, getting into deficits and then coming back from them. It's a good thing they're able to come back from them. But once the regular season starts, I don't know if it'll necessarily, necessarily 
be the same thing. Because in preseason, as the game goes on, eventually you just kind of rest your starters, you rest your rotation guys, and you throw in a lot of the backups or the or the rotation guys are getting significant minutes as the game goes on, and then the starters are rested. The Pelicans are deeper than they've ever been. They're probably deeper than a lot of other teams are. And so when Keel Alexander is kind of going against third strings, yeah, he's going to be significantly better than them, you know, and help the team win. Same thing for Frank Jackson. These are guys that are in the rotation for the Pelicans, but they're not necessarily the first guys off the bench. So they get these late preseason minutes and all of a sudden this team's able to launch a comeback because you have worse players for the other team in. And so it's great that these guys can come in and take advantage of it. I don't know if we should read too much into it that the Pelicans have like a lot of moxie in them or something or fight and grit and are able to regularly come back. It might be in the regular season that Drew's just having an off night or some of these other guys are having an off night and they're playing against other starters and that might present an issue. I don't know if Nikhil Alexander-Walker is going to be able to spark these comebacks against, say, the Toronto Raptors on opening night if he gets minutes in the second half. Makes sense? Uh, so the, their depth is a good thing because it's making a lot of these younger guys get these minutes and have them be meaningful because they're having to do this comeback. I just don't know if this is going to be the norm going forward. Of course, we've got to wait until the regular season starts to really kind of figure that out. So that's, I think, one of the reasons why you're seeing this kind of become a trend. Bad defense to start. Not bad defense. Improving defense. New defense to start. Leading to a lot of miscues, a lot of errors. And then these better players than others leading a comeback because they're better than the other guys. And they're capable of doing that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.